The Nutty Bites Podcast is geek certified by the Geek Out with Mainframe Podcast. I mean, you're listening to it. You know it's good. Hello, Mix Nutcases. This is Nick Joss, and today we've got an episode of Intro to Ghibli. That's right. This is the uh, little special intro cast that is part of Nutty Bites, where we go through Tech and I uh, exploring the Studio Ghibli movies and semi-related movies of Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, and Jen and Jason are our guides, but we have a truncated cast tonight. Uh, with me today, as always, I have... Hi, I'm truncated. No. No, you're hi, not I'm a stink demon. That's the one I wanted to go with, but hi, I'm Tech. <laughs> and and I'm Jason, one of the Talk Nerdy to Me podcasts. Yes, host. And Jen is not joining us today because she is enjoying a bath and uh, getting right with the world and having bicycles removed from her. So if that so didn't Jen's con- the stink demon. If that didn't confuse you enough. Uh, we're going to be talking about Spirited Away. And Tech and I saw this in the theaters this week, which was a blast. And uh, we're going to talk about it now. But um, before we go in, yes, yes. Nothing, nothing. I was trying to remove a fuzzy from your oh. world there. I'm not actually trying to hint and point <laughs> at anything. If I wanted to do that, I'd do this. You need to it. Okay. Uh, so that was horrible for I the need, listeners at home. I needed a doll. So, uh, we're going to start now. Jason has decided he wants to play in Tech Sandbox, and he's got a 30-second summary for us. Indeed. Spirited Away is a Spirited Away is a coming-of-age story of a young girl who is basically coming to grips with moving away from what she's known and what she's accepted as her life and having to deal with the buddings of her first love as well as confidence issues and her self-identity. Wow, I'm impressed. Tech, your 30-second synopsis. What if Hayao Miyazaki watched a lot of Tim Burton movies? Or what if Tim Burton watched a lot of Miyazaki movies? You'd get spirited away. Both are pretty good. But those don't help the viewer. No. So the story <laughs> the story is a young girl is moving to a new town with her family, and along the way, dad gets lost. And they end up at a weird sort of a defunct amusement park, which then turns out to be a spa for ghosts. And then things get weird. And we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so our first reactions, uh, I'm going to start out. My first reaction was... This movie has everything that I love about Ghibli and Miyazaki, and it hit all those notes, and I was very happy with it. Tech. Um, I was amazed, uh, you know, watching the first couple of scenes that the the animation quality is, of course, very high. It's a Miyazaki film, Mm. but nowhere near as high as Mononoke. And if there are any listeners who heard my uh, review, my thrashing of Mononoke, you know, yeah, I'm being complimentary to a movie I didn't like because guess what? Even though I didn't like the movie, it still had a lot of beautiful animation. And while the animation was a lot more simplistic in this one, it was the scene where they're driving in her dad's car and I realized that that's an Audi A4. It's got the proper badge on it. It's the proper car. It is a brand name automobile that they put into a cartoon. And the simplistic style was a um, a direct choice by Miyazaki that he wanted the movie to be uh, more simplistic than, than his other works. And uh, a success because even then, the water rippling and uh, the little leaves moving and anytime you see the... Um, 
the river dragons later on uh, writhing and wiggling through the air. That's not simple animation. That's no. not an episode of 1984 Voltron right there. This is... Uh, <laughs> this, this That's not is, even an episode of current Voltron. No, and we like current Voltron. Yeah. And we like old Voltron. Differing opinions about that Voltron show. No, shut up. All right, and uh, Jason, can you remember your first reactions? Or at least just give us a and The first reactions... Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I do. Um... The first time I saw this movie, um, or I should say the first time I really saw it, because I had bought this on DVD and I'd watched it at home, but I saw this in theaters three times. I went back, because I, I working at the family restaurant, I got my little allowance for doing so, and back in the day, movies weren't an arm and a leg, plus your firstborn. So I actually went and saw this literally three times in a row on the weekend. Like I, I went one day and then I went back the next and I went back and saw it a second time um, or a second time in a row. So it was like three times in two days. And it is when, when it's doing Miyazaki's tropes, which are aerial scenes, those big expansive sky scenes, it is one of the most beautiful things he's ever, he's ever had drawn. I mean, just, my main, the main thing that I love is when the train later on is traveling and it's got the sky, but then everything's flooded. So you've got the two meeting and you can't really tell what's up and what's down. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And I was just blown away because with all the cartoons and things that I've watched in my life, um, nothing compares to the animation you can find in the worst Miyazaki film or the worst Studio Ghibli film. Mm. I mean, it's leagues and it, they have to be judged by what they've done themselves. You can't judge them against something else. It's not fair. It's kind of like comparing Pixar to some other, you know, fully CG movie. It's just not fair. Like it has mm. to be compared to himself. And Miyazaki again is superb. This story, he he's done it again, right? Like he's gotten what a little girl of this age going through would she's going through. Like he's he's gotten it down pat it's like this dude has some sort of inside line on writing great little female characters well, like we, i don't know we, we think he's got it right because i don't know what it's like to grow up as a little lost ja japanese girl um but I, I have a little more authority and he's right. got it pretty right oh, okay okay good <laughs> no idea yeah. yeah i mean he's just i mean i wish most directors of any sort of films live action or animated in, a, in the United States could have, I don't know, a, a, just a modicum of his understanding of the opposite sex. Like, it would make films far different than what they are. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the voice cast that we had for the English dub was pretty exceptional, and as always. Now, the cool thing about this is uh, when they were making the film, they were making it with the idea of the English cast and, and that there was going to be an English dub at the end of it, so right from the beginning, things That's were better off. Because Disney ponied up 10% yeah. for first writer refusal to American um, American distribution right from the get-go. So John Lasseter was involved right away. So when they got the uh, the voice cast, they got a, a who's who of Disney voice actors. Yes, they did. And so they got uh, Lilo herself from Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Belle herself. Uh, from Beauty and the Beast, yeah, who is also well, and and um, Su Susan Egan, who is uh, Megara, and she was also in uh, Porco Rosso, which we absolutely adored. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason Marsden, who has done 
everything, including Goofy Sun. Um, he's the one that originated that. And we've got David Ogden Steers, as everyone knows, is Cogsworth. Major Winchester. And Major Winchester. Well, I was first going with the Disney. And then we've got John Ratzenberger, who's been in every Pixar movie, but we all know him as Cliff Clavin. Uh, we've got Lauren Holly as the mom. And uh, Michael Chiklis as the dad and Tara Strong as the baby, which is amazing. And then Suzanne Plichette, who this is her last role that she's ever done. She's known for the Bob Newhart show. And uh, she was Zira in uh, the Lion King sequels. And she's just pretty amazing. But this is the this is the last thing she did, which, you know. I think she did a fantastic job. I mean, if you're going to, I mean, hey, I mean, <laughs> you know, if you're going to go out, I mean, yeah. stop acting, you know. Oh, it's so much better than this like Wagon Z's being your last movie, you know? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I yeah, went there. Um, or better yet, look at Sean Connery in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <sighs> yeah. That was, that was his last film. Oof. Say uh, again? to retire. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, uh, Sean Connery's last film that he retired on was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was atrocious. Yes. So uh, our highs and our lows for this movie, uh, as I said, it has all the things that I love about Ghibli. The whimsy was there. I love the whimsy. The character creation, all of the different. So this is a... A bathhouse uh, to North Americans that means a spa. It doesn't mean a brothel or anything horrible like that. It it's a spa for the spirits to go and relax and unwind and restore themselves. And you've got the radish spirit, river spirits. Uh, you know because in in Shinto everything has a spirit. There is a spirit for everything, and the creation of every single character is so spot on to the point that the radish spirit reminds you of a Totoro at the same time as being exactly like a radish with the little roots and the green under his hat and everything else. And then there's the bushy mustache of uh, of the boiler man and everything. It is, which is the bushy mustaches that are on all of the mustaches of any Ghibli film that I absolutely go bonkers for. The music was beautiful. Uh, he just must watch little children run around to get that right. I think he purposely hurts little children. <laughs> I, am, I I imagine Miyazaki leaving snare lines throughout his house and throughout his neighborhood just to watch kids fall down so that he can properly animate it because it was man. How many times did did uh, she fall down in this movie? And I it mean, was dead on believable. Now, Tech, you were talking about how. Everything's from the perspective of a child. Well, uh, go through your highs and lows and I'll go through mine. Oh, well, I was just going to throw that in the mix and I didn't want to say talk over you there. Um, so in addition, you know, you had the music, you had the fact that they could talk about love without it being sexual or adult. You know, these are kids. It's it's not about that. There were connections to other movies. Uh, they had this way of uh, demonstrating horror. But yet you knew you could keep watching and you didn't really have to be scared. If that makes any sense, it's kind of like a safe horror. But there are some frightening things that happen and yet it's all good. Uh, and 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 it had an end. It had a really good end, too. And Lowe's? 
Oh, uh, we would get to the lows after. So okay. do the highs. Do the highs. Uh, visually beautiful. Uh, it was a, a well-crafted movie with a with a with a great story, and you know the. You know, the spirits, they go to this bathhouse to relax, and this young girl uh, gets there by misadventure and getting lost, and her parents get uh, turned into pigs, and she has to go through these trials to uh, try to get her parents back and meets this cast of characters that are there to either help or hinder her, and who can she trust and who can she not trust. And it's... um, it's a complicated story, but it's done in a way that, uh, you know, I didn't hear any of the kids in the theater constantly bashing questions to their parents of, What's going on? Who is that? What am I doing? Is this purple? I can't taste popcorn. You know, um, inane <laughs> questions that one normally hears from kids in a movie when their parents take them to something much too adult. Mama, I don't know what's going on. Is that Darth Vader? <laughs> uh. I want to play my Game Boy. I hate kids in movie theaters. <laughs> I hate kids in general. Um, but no, you know the 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 highs. Uh, the the one thing I will say, big high point for this movie. Not as much of a dead animator body count as in previous movies, but like Nutty, like you said, um, the the animators that did die were old and probably near the end of their life anyway. Yeah, so, they so just, it's okay. They just sort of passed. Uh, but that was a conscious decision from Miyazaki to sort of pare it down a little bit and keep it simplistic. It's also one of the first ones where they added in CG, mm. and it's uh, you know the, he realized he was getting to a point where it was going to be over three hours long and it was going to be this like special effects extravaganza. So they used it very very sparingly uh, in with the rest of the animation. And the only time I noticed it was when they were getting the big bath ready for the stink demon at the bathhouse, and the water is bubbling. That that was a CG effect, but that was the only time I noticed it. Mm. The rest of it was all subtle. Yeah, it's for me. <clears throat> the highs in this movie all come. I mean, it, it's it's a great film all around, but the highs for me are the details, the little details that he that that he puts into this. Because like there's scenes where she's clambering across a roof or a pipe and you see like the actual bolts and the little screws coming out and it slows slowly starts to fray off the building and you get like her her movement as she's trying to balance on it and how how her arms and, and she's moving her arms and her shoulders or when she was on the roof and the shingles are falling and she's clambering and she has to go down on all fours and and then you have like I mean you know the death count for uh, for for animators in this. <laughs> yes, it's not very high, but there are scenes where you know, like anytime you look in Zaniba's her in her room. I mean, just the details they put into her bed, her walls, her jewelry, the table, the desk. I mean, uh, going, yeah, going up to Yubaba's office for the first time, and there's those big ornate uh, jars. Mm-hmm. And all the marble and all the inlay and all, all the brass the, yeah, and the brass everything work and the, the chasings and the details in the roof. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Killed he, people. Was, he, he pared it down. Sure. But I mean, what's I mean, what's paring down for a Miyazaki film, right? Yeah, he like, didn't kill animators. He killed matte painters. He killed yeah. a lot of matte painters. Yeah. And, and and then he and like I mean, and then check out the detail on like Zaniba's face, like the, the, her nose and her hair and the jewelry and the clothes. I mean, just the, the pock marks on her skin. Like he may have, he, he only he might not have he might have only killed 12. But my God, were those 12 really emaciated corpses? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and it's those details that make this movie for me. And it's 
and it and it's again it's in, it's simplicity because yeah the story itself is rather complex like the themes that it addresses but they're done in a way that a child can understand it like tech was saying and the and the child's not going to be like well what's what's this what's going on they can keep track and they can relate which is something you don't see very much in american um films and art mm. um so tech one one other thing the the perspective right i was going to get that well, so i guess i'll start the lows Oh, I thought that was a high. No. I um, counted as a high, so no, go ahead. Uh, uh, th- so one of the things with this this movie is um, the animation, especially the character animation, is incredibly stylized. And all of the characters that Shijiro meets have these huge heads. And, like, Yubaba has got this nose that is three times the size of her head with this huge mole in the center of her forehead. And all of these crazy creases and lines and... There's there's a very stylistic choice when it comes to the character designs in this movie, especially the 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 humans and the the creatures, and you know when you see the opening scene with the Audi that I was talking about, and the the Audi is going down this road, and all of a sudden it's going three hundred miles an hour down this cobblestone path, and you know you you go through the gate and into the park, and it is huge and massive and expansive, and the bridge is a million feet tall, and you know climbing down the steps to uh, the boiler room, these like rickety stairs, three hundred feet in the air with like rickety landings and bolts and screws, launching out all over the place, and I I. I I didn't buy it. I, I, I wasn't buying the movie. It was um, pulling me out for a little while until I, I, I suddenly, it suddenly dawned on me that all of the animation is drawn from the little girl's perspective. We are seeing everything in her eyes. And you know what it's like, especially when you're a kid and you meet somebody that has like a big mole on their face and it's the only thing you can look at because it's mole to meet you. I mean, it's nice to mole you. I mean, mole... And you're stuck staring at this giant mole. So I totally get it. I I totally get that art style now. And, uh, you know, as the the, the movie went on, I I became more and more okay with it. And I I started to realize that, okay, maybe the stairs aren't really that tall, but in her mind it is. So, yes, they are that tall. And it it just became uh, a lot more fun. And, uh, you know, the, the, the movie wasn't taking itself visually very seriously because they were going for this stylistic look but it still ended up being a little weird and um the biggest low point for me in this movie you know so that was a bit of a low you know it ended up working out okay it just it it still looked a little too stylistic for me uh, especially compared to the other Miyazaki films that we saw that you know cut a lot closer to uh, reality if you look at things like like Porco Rosso or Princess Mononoke that the, everything was incredibly realistic um, the one that got me uh, uh, oh sh- I lost my point um, anybody else low points go uh, so the the low point uh, and again this is something that you mentioned to me and the car was it was more to do with me it's the fact that I don't know enough about Shinto. Right. <laughs> right. The, the, you know, this is the highest grossing animated movie in Japanese history. I don't know if it still is, but it was at the yeah. time. Jason, is it still the highest grossing? Uh, was uh, Spirited Away? Yeah. I want to say 
but I, I, because he's he's had some really big hits since this one. Okay, I mean, at least at the time, it was the highest grossing um, animated movie. Now, uh, the thing with it is that there's a lot of things that Japanese culture that a person in in J- Japanese culture would take for granted. So there's a lot of the exposition in this movie of things that they didn't explain, things like. Uh, where the different spirits come from and what a river spirit is and, you know, why why these spirits are having a spa day. You know, all of these things are just sort of taken for granted that the audience would understand that a North American audience does not understand. Right. Um, and I, you know, what's lacking from this movie? My lack of understanding of the Shinto faith. And I think with a little bit more more knowledge behind me, uh, I probably would have enjoyed the movie a lot more. I, I did enjoy it, but I, I kept the exposition that was there was good. But I either wanted a little more in some parts or a little less in others because I needed a couple things explained to me. Like there's a scene with this this thing they think is a stink demon mm. who comes in for a bath, and it's just a big puddle of muck. And when they get him in the bath. There's a thing stuck in the side of him, and Shijiro starts to pull it out, and it's a bicycle. And they pull this bicycle out of the muck, and it opens up a torrent of I-beams, bicycles, discarded oil containers, street signs, and all kinds of other refuse. Yeah, pollution. Right. But at the very bottom of the pile of muck, once all the stuff is out, is just this old mask. And it goes, oh, thank you. And then it flies away as a dragon. It's like, oh, it was a river spirit all along. And everyone goes, oh. And that's the last they talk about it. Yep. That that was the pollution in the river that it had been carrying around, which is why it was grumpy. And when they removed the pollution, it was able to be free and be a beautiful dragon again. I don't know that much about river spirits. I'm a white dude from North America. <laughs> well, and, and the, oh, it was a river spirit, like those are the little things that they added in, knowing that North Americans wouldn't catch that. Uh, okay. What? Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm ad, I'm saying that imagine if they didn't even say that how confused we would be even more so. Mm-hmm. It'd be like it was a mask and it flew away. What what happened? So they yeah. they had to add a couple of cues. Yeah, the the thing with the Shintoism is that the core belief in Shintoism is that everything has a spirit. Whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, I mean, you know, everything in nature has a spirit, whether it's a tree of of bush, flower, river, whatever. Um, and, and so they all, and these spirits are their representation. And um, and that's basically what we kind of see with this bathhouse and so forth. And and, and if you don't know that, you're going to be kind of like, well, what kind of spirits? Because in North America, we think of spirits as like ghosts and goblins and things like that. Whereas and these spirits are basically their gods. Right. And, um, what, yeah. and, what, and what I love about it, with the, the, the understanding that I have of it here, as a, like I said, as a, as a gaijin, uh, you know, as a foreign devil myself, is that the, you know, <laughs> the spirits are neither good nor evil. The spirits are. But the spirits have emotions and they have temperaments. So they have to be um, appeased or they have to be talked to and they have to be calmed down and quieted when they get angry. You know, a, um, a tree can have a spirit. And if a branch falls on you, you know, it's not the tree being mean. It's not it's not an evil tree. It's not one of those angry molesting trees from the Evil Dead from the franchise. Evil Dead movies. It's it's just uh you know, it, it maybe you need to have a conversation with the spirit and find out why he whomped you with a branch. And I like that. It, it's not that everything is good or bad, it's that everything is and we all have to live together. Yeah. And that's cool. 
So there's something that I forgot to mention in my highs. Mm. Soot sprites. Mm. <laughs> oh, the soot sprites. I love soot sprites, so I'm I'm going to say right now, anytime there are soot sprites, uh, I will be happy. <laughs> so Jason, you were saying that Kumaji, the uh, Kumaji, the the boiler man, shows up in other movies. Mm-hmm. He's cool. He, uh, once we get to Laputa Cast, we, did we do? We didn't do that. We haven't done Laputa. No, no. Yeah. Once we get to Laputa, you'll see him again. Um, cool. I love his mustache. Also, I'm trying to think if he comes up again. He might. I'm not, I'll have to go back and check. But, um, and oh, by the way, um, no, Spirited Away is no longer is no longer the highest grossing animated film in Japan. Um, it it, it was surpassed by something called Your Name, but the t- in the top ten, you've got Spirit Away at number two, House Moving Castle at number three, Ponyo at number four. Number seven is Princess Mononoke. Number eight is Secret World of Our Lady. I am starting to see a pattern here. (laughs) Yeah, the only movies in this that aren't Miyazaki are Your Name, um, a Doraemon movie, and two Pokemon movies. That's it. And that's in the top. Well, and the interesting thing was that it wasn't just the highest grossing animated film when it broke those box office records. It was the highest grossing film beating out Titanic. Yeah, it uh, in U.S. dollars it made two hundred eighty nine million and ninety six thousand five hundred and forty four bucks. Wow! And uh, I remember reading in the trivia, which I'll get to later, uh, something about how before it came to North American audiences, it had already made two hundred million dollars. So, and yeah. and their releases were very close to each other. I don't have too many lows uh, for this movie, to tell you the truth. Uh, I'm struggling here to think of lows. Well, the the only thing I could consider a low, and it's not even necessarily a low. It's just kind of more of a nitpick because of the tonal shift mm. is when Haku is injured. Like it is absolutely brutal. Um, I mean, he he literally eats something that does not agree with him, and he is bleeding out, and he's. And not only is he bleeding out from the thing he's eaten, but he's also bleeding out from the cuts and the and the, and the injuries he's sustaining from these paper talismans that were there to protect the thing he stole. And it is a really dark scene in this. And he's dying. And, like, when he tries to protect Chihiro, he can't even transform back to Prince Haku. He's just kind of a... Uh, uh, he's acting on instinct and he's just bleeding from his nose and his mouth and all these cuts. Like it is, it's really, really bad. It, 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 it reminds me of the scene in the never ending story with the horse and how mm. just devastating that is, especially if you're little and watching that, like it's gotta be rather kind of terrifying. Yeah. And that was one of those like horror elements that I was feeling in this that um, along with her parents being turned into pigs and not recognizing who she was. I mean, these these are really scary concepts. Um, Go ahead. The, the the potential that they could be eaten. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of that, which so is creepy. I, I, I did remember that there was a, a point in uh, Porco Rosso when all the the only exposition we get is when they they, they she's talking to Porco and says, "And that witch who turned you into a pig?" And he says, "Yeah." Well, now we know yeah. what happened to him. He must have had a trip <laughs> to Japan, went to this weird amusement park, and now he's a piggy. Yeah, and and he regained his sentience, but he. Uh, and this is me putting this out there. I think he thinks he deserves to be cursed, and that's why he's still a pig. Mm, Much like the baby didn't want to turn back. 
Mm. I think I think you'll all agree with me. We'd all have been turned into pigs. That food looks so good. It really did mm. look good. Um, I there was something also you had said, Tech, that you knew that Haku was a river because he was a dragon or something. No, just the opposite. I oh. had no idea. Ah, that's the yeah, sort of me thing neither. That, that's I was, the sort of thing that I don't know. Ah. That it's it's very obvious that a Kirin is a river. No, no, no it isn't. I, I don't know these things. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't get that. I thought you did know that from no. some video game, and I was like, yeah, oh, why Lord, would no. I think that something that flies is a river? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, it's this movie, um, it's, it is by far my favorite. Spirits. It, it, I've seen it more times than I, I care to mention. Which means and, I already know your rating system. <laughs> and it's, I mean, again, this this literally is my favorite of all the Miyazaki films, and I've seen them all. The only ones I have not seen is the Red Turtle, which is the, the new Studio Ghibli one. Um, but I mean, it's, I mean, he gets it right. Like the way that her relationship with Haku grows and expands is done so subtly. And so efficiently that it, and you you realize that they actually do are they're kind of in love and it's not a sexual love it's 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 this mutual admiration that has developed into something that she never would have expected or even wanted because she is young and she's still growing and the fact that Haku himself changes like he's very cold in the in the beginning of this he's very serious. And by the end of it, he's very jovial. Even, I mean, the way he looks, like you can tell by the, one of the things they do in anime is if a character is to be considered an evil character or a character that's not to be liked, their eyes are drawn smaller. They're drawn thinner. And if you notice in the beginning of this film, his eyes are very thinly drawn. They're very narrow. Like he's not almost as if he's squinting. But by the end, it, it they they open up a little bit more. He gets a little more color in his, his the the in his actual eyes. Like you get a twinkle there. Like there's there's motion and, li- and life there. I haven't watched it enough to notice that. And, <laughs> and it's and it's those subtle things that that show you. And it's even in the tone, which is Jason Marsden, um, is a wonderful voice actor, and he elocutes that very very well when he like when he talks about how um you know Chihiro you know. Um, once you got the question right, your parents are here back on the other side of the river. And he's so excited that she that she did this. Um, and then there's also the scenes where like she's talking to I can't remember who she was talking to. I think it's I think it's Yubaba, and she forgot her name. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh my god!" She's like, "I I I forgot my name." And you know, Yubaba tells her, "You need to hold on to that." He's like, "Names are powerful things." No, Haiku is the one that tells her that. Yes, Yababa is yes. the witch that took her name. Yeah, and yeah. Zaniba is the nice one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So one of the things that um, I wanted to mention is the pink shoe in the river, <laughs> which to me is a throwback to Totoro. I think it's the shoe that they found. Tech, you think that it means that she's May? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so uh, they're connected. Can you, can you give sure. us a little bit more explanation than that, or are we just going to say shoe in the river and expect everyone to understand? I'll be a horrible person. No. Uh, so uh, when she <laughs> has a flashback, because throughout the entire series, she knows that she knows the prince, Hayaku. She knows him somehow, but she can't remember. She says, I know him from like a long time ago. And finally, it comes to her, and she remembers when she was a little girl, she fell in the river. 
because she was trying to get her pink shoe that fell in and she was drowning. And then the water kept carried her and pushed her to shore and saved her life. And that's how they discover what his real name is, which is the name of this river, which is now gone. And there are apartment buildings there, which is why he can't find his way home. Well, with that theory in mind, as I Google image search, um, my neighbor Todoro, because I, I, I remember she, um, May's hair is light brown. It is. Just yeah. Heroes. Well, Chihiro's is a little darker, but as you, we all know, as you get older, your hair darkens if it's, you know. Heroes. Now, there are many other reasons as to why this can't be May, because this movie takes place at least 40 or 50 years after My Neighbor Totoro. And uh, if we remember, the reason they moved out to the country was because May's mom was riddled with tuberculosis. Yeah. Um, which doesn't, you know, is not that big of a concern in modern day. I like those soot sprite uh, little no, slippers. No, I want those. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Soot, uh, soot sprite fuzzy slippers with big googly eyes. Um, but, you know, there's many reasons as to why it doesn't work. But when you have, you know, an entire movie who's, uh, you know, like Totoro, where the, the, the pivotal scene at the end is, you know, they think this little girl has died because all they found was a shoe in the river. And then later on, you have an entire character whose life was saved after she lost a shoe in the river. It it's 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 cool. It it it's cool. You know, it, it's the, these throwbacks, and you know, oh, you know, this magic spells that turns people into pigs. But you had another movie where a guy was turned into a pig by a magical <laughs> spell. I have a feeling we're going to start seeing more and more connections. Mm. <laughs> so, are there any other things that we want to talk about? Before I move I like, on to trivia, I like. I will say this though. I do like again when Miyazaki does combat. He does it well. In this, there's not a lot of it, but there are good scenes of cert, of like combat, like abilities, like when Haku speed runs, or when he uses the spell on the frog guy, or when Zaniba is uses the spell on No Face, and he just shrugs it off and is charging and tearing apart the bathhouse. No when, Face. Hmm. I just have to say, I love No Face. Yeah, No Face is a pretty cool villain. Or when No Face eats people. Yeah, because he's just lonely. Yeah, but it's done really well. So um, you're, you're right, though. Miyazaki does do really, really good combat. And if you look at you know the, the combat scenes in Mononoke or the, the aerial dogfighting scenes in Porco Rosso, um, he, you know why it is, though? I think it's because he gets movement. And combat yeah. is nothing but movement. And if you can understand movement, you could, if you under, understand how to animate people moving, it could be ballet or it could be a boxing match. It's basically the same thing. It's people moving, you know, dynamically opposed to one another or working together. And um, it could be animated well. Uh, you know, like I mentioned the other night in, in our conversation, what I'd really like to see is a really good movement and scene animator like Miyazaki's studio work with somebody like Masamune Shiro, who is a great technical animator, mm. and put the two of them together and kill every animator in the world in trying to draw this thing. <laughs> but just imagine, um, imagine what something like, um, the not the wind rises. What's the one we? Oh, the Nausicaa Valley yeah. of the Wind. What that would have been like with walking tanks that were mechanically animated by Masamune Shiro, like yeah. giant spider tanks and tachikomas and stuff. Yeah. Just don't worry. You want you want to 
You want to see some animators get murdered? Uh, just wait till the castle of Cagliostro. So like, uh, there's a clock tower scene, and yeah. But um, also, um, did you guys watch that um, the music video that they did? Who did what? Uh, did you guys watch the music video that that Ghibli did? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was the, really good. the on your mark. Yep. Yes, yes, we yeah. have seen that one. Yeah, yeah that's a pile good. of corpses. Yeah, that's a pile of animated corpses. Yeah. I assume I mean, that there was more than one, so I wasn't sure what you. Oh which no, one. no, no! On your mark, just that, that's the only one he's ever done. Uh, on your oh, mark. okay, yeah, that is a bonus. Uh, people need to see that. That is awesome. Like, I mean, the scene where that that vehicle bursts through the wall and falls, and you see all the debris and all that stuff. Like, again, Miyazaki can do like he can do mechanical stuff too. Like that dude, like he, he's a specialist, and he's definitely a guy with a serious focus. But it's like he can just turn it on and off to just for whatever he needs to animate, right? Like if he needs to animate children running and moving and how toddlers move, he can do that. Or if he needs to focus in on get some of the the mechanical parts of a of a moving thing correctly, he'll do that too. I mean, it's it's so it's so interesting how he can just zone in like that. What I like is that if it's simple or complicated, all of his animation is artistic. That even his simple animations are artistic. And that's what separates him yeah. from the Don Bluths out well, there. You know, I'm, I'm going to go on a I'm going to go on a long winded rant here, but I have a point. In what go I'm ahead. Saying. There's a, there's a thing in writing that you can tell with a writer when something is important or when it's an important scene because attention is paid to it and the detail level goes up. You know, the the theory of Chekhov's gun that. I'm not going to draw attention in my manuscript to the gun on the mantelpiece unless it's going to be important later. So there are writers like George Martin in the books that he writes where he doesn't give you that hint because everything is treated with equal importance. So he will spend 20 pages describing every item on the menu at a 20-course banquet and then describe in aching detail the livery and the heraldry of every single knight at attorney. Why? Because in 600 pages, one of those nights, that little detail became important. Or maybe it's all just throwaway filler text. You have no idea, but it's all treated with the same level of importance, which is what Miyazaki does with his movies. It doesn't matter if it's a throwaway cutscene or you know the most pivotal uh, turning point in the movie, they're all treated with the same level of care, the same level of love, the same level of attention, and the same heaping pile of dead animators to make it, make it happen. And I don't care if it's a cute little frog number six that's only seen in three frames. You know, I'm sure he has a name. I'm sure he has a family. They're all animated. Uh, you know, they all show up. You know, it's the uh, insane amount of detail, even in something, you know, with, with, with this, which they tried to keep simple and didn't, um, that everything is treated with that level of care and respect, and it makes for an amazing finished product. Yeah, this is not uh, Aladdin 3. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, think about the scene with No Face when he's when he when she gives him the medicine and he starts regurgitating everything he's mm-hmm. eating. The detail that goes into all the slop that comes out of him. Like, think of the the stink uh monster that we find out is the polluted river. 
And as it's expelling everything or just walking around in this sludgy mess. I've come home from work feeling like that, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I know that feeling very well. I, I, I think I think I've had a couple of days uh, on the farm where I was the snake spirit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Miyazaki had considered retiring after completing Princess Mononoke in 97, but he was inspired to make this film after seeing his friend's sullen 10-year-old daughter, which makes perfect sense to me. Yep. I think I think it was a good decision because he won the Oscar for this movie. Yeah. Um, and and in order to animate the scene where Chihiro force feeds Haku the medicine in his dragon form, uh, he had the animators study a dog's mouth as they fed it treats with a veterinarian uh, while a veterinarian held its lower jaw. So if you've ever had to like fight to get a Lego out of a dog's mouth or to get medicine down a dog's mouth and you watch that film, that scene, you realize, wow, that's that's exactly what that's like. Uh, only thing she didn't do is wrap it in a piece of cheese. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheese helps <laughs> it go down. Uh, or chocolate coating. Uh, when Chihiro arrives at Zuniba's house, the jumping lamp that has a sound effect, it's a nod to the Pixar logo because they had oh, a they 10% the stake. Yeah, 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 it was a little lamp and the yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's adorable. <laughs> the cleansing of the river spirit is based on a real life incident in which Hayao Miyazaki's life, uh, in which he participated in the cleaning of a river, removing, among other things, a bicycle. Um, yeah, Miyazaki, he puts a lot of his activism in his yeah. films. Um, yeah. Environmental activism, and, and for sure. I think that's what I, I, I think that's what I liked about this movie. It, it didn't feel as heavy handed. As it did in, say, um, Nausicaa or in Princess Mononoke, that okay, he was making a point about environmentalism and river pollution and the encroachment onto wild spaces, but he wasn't beating me over the face with it. It was it was just another. It was subtle, yeah. It was just another point, you know. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, yeah, be nice to wild spaces. Yeah. Um. So there's this whole bit about cutting the line to get rid of bad luck. When um, the sludge, when when Chihiro kills the little slug and the uh, boiler man tells her to cut the line, it's a superstition that, you know, North Americans don't quite understand. But apparently neither do the young Japanese because the original voice actress had no idea what that was. But all of the older people were like, oh, yeah, yeah you got to cut the line. You know, the way, it's like uh, throwing sh- salt over her shoulder. By the way, did that little slug look a little familiar? Uh, what's it supposed to look like? It was basically one of the demonic slugs, the, one of the blood slugs from Mononoke, except it had eyes. Ah, yes. Actually, yeah, now that you mention it. And also when um, No-Face gets super huge and, and bulbous, mm-hmm. basically is the rage spirit from Mononoke, except he's not made out of a bunch of little worms. Oh, interesting. Cool. Uh, he even has a mouth on his stomach. Yeah. Mm. Uh, to do the voice of Chihiro's mother talking while eating, the original actress actually spoke the dialogue while eating a piece of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, actress Lauren Holly did the same thing in the English version with an apple, uh, which I just think as a voice actress that, that that's kind of a neat thing. Um, to this day, Spirited Away is the highest rated animated film, traditional or computer, in the IMDb top rated movies. 
Uh, it's the first anime film to be nominated for and win an Academy Award. It also has the longest runtime of any other film nominated or winning in that category at 125 minutes. Oh, that was another thing I liked. I liked that it didn't go too long. Uh, it was a full two hours. Yeah, but it wasn't three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say this. Um, we're we're going to cover Princess um, the Tale of Princess Kaguya later. That thing's got a beast of a runtime. <laughs> it's got a beast of a runtime. I like that movie a lot, but it's got a beast of a runtime. Oh, good. Well, we need to know that ahead of time. <laughs> so uh, the song in the closing credits, Always With Me, was intended for another film that Miyazaki never made, but he was playing it relentlessly while making this film, and he decided to include it in the end credits. It was catchy. I liked it. Yeah. And uh, this is the first film directed by Miyazaki in which a child character was actually voiced by a child. Um, in Japanese. Yeah, in Japanese. Well, and it was in, in, Ameri- uh, in American, geez, in English as well, because she was a child at the time. Uh, yes. Let's keep in mind that Kirsten Dunst was 16 when she did Kiki. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Is, this, is 16 a kid, though? Well, she was playing a 14-year-old, so... Depends what you get arrested for, I guess. Oh, boy. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It is one of only two animated films to ever receive the Japan Academy Prize for Picture of the Year, the first being Princess Mononoke, which, of course, had the same crew. Uh, Chihiro's father drives a first-gen Audi 4 sedan. The level of detail included by the director includes the Audi trademark Quattro four-wheel drive system in which Chihiro's father decides to take the car in the forest along with the ABS, uh, which pushes the brake, uh, which pulls... We we know how ABS works. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, lots of detail in the car. Lots of detail in the car. Yeah, sorry. I'm, dude, I'm telling you, because uh, I sent that. Yeah, cause I sent you guys that one, right? The dual disc for Spears of the Way. Yeah, we just watched it in theaters, and we haven't watched the uh, the copies uh, he gave us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, watch the, the – on that, you get com- – there's a little commentary thing where they show you, like, how they do certain things. Um, they, like, basically recorded a car driving over little thingies to get the sound of them going over those cobblestones. Like, mm. they do – the detail they pay attention to in this movie is just ridiculous. So some of the character names uh, reflect who they actually are. Uh, Bo means little boy or son. Kamaji means uh, older boiler man. Yababa means bathhouse witch. And Zaniba means money witch. Uh, Chihiro means a thousand fathoms of, or searches, while her worker name Sen just means a thousand. So basically her name was stolen to give her the same name. Um, there is a common misconception that the film takes place in a brothel. This is false. Miyazaki made this film targeted towards the demographic of young females. Another quote of the creator that disproves this claim states that he is displeased with how the sex industry has become more geared to include children. Yeah, this is not a brothel and it makes him mad when people think that it is the last. Hmm? I know it is like, and my thing is even like, in the it, over here in the West, it is a misconception. I'm, I'm assuming that it's prevalent because of the fact that it's takes takes place in a bathhouse, and we don't have those here. Um, yeah, those so are, we have spas. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, but look, look it up. It's called an onsen. Yeah. It, it's a it's a real thing. 
and uh, it's not perverse nor sexual. Uh, there's also been that huge misconception, you know, the, a lot of misconceptions about Japanese culture. Like everybody thinks, uh, you know, geishas are prostitutes. They are definitely not. Yeah. Um, and the character of No-Face greatly resembles a silkworm, uh, an important animal in Japanese culture. No-Face seems to have a white face and a mouth below it. Silkworms have markings that look like facial features, and their mouths are below these markings. Silkworms and No-Face eat constantly and grow rapidly. At the end of the movie, No-Face goes with Sen to visit Zaniba. No-Face stays with Zaniba spinning silk, which is pretty awesome. So... Those details, man. So many little details, and uh, I could probably read on forever, but those are just basically the highlights. So ratings, what do you guys want to rate this? Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, we know Jason's is a 10. <laughs> Jen, um, Jen wanted me to let you guys know that she gives this a 9. Um, she thinks that, it's, that, that this is probably Miyazaki's best female character because of, like, and it's not like, that Kiki or or um, or the girls from Totoro or Nausicaa were bad female characters. It's just that he seems to have gotten everything correct, like her insecurities, her worries, the things that she's upset about. Like he just seems to have hit it right on the head, and she really likes that about it. So she gave it a nine. Me, it's easy. Let's get a ten. Like this is my favorite Studio Ghibli film. It is. I've seen it the most. It was one. Of, it was the first one I bought. Um, it was the first. It was. It was the first one I bought. It was one of the first I bought on Blu-ray. Um, I love this film. I love it a lot. I mean, I love Jason Marsden. He's one of my favorite uh, and uh, voice actors. I mean, he plays Max from the Goofy movie, and I love that movie as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's. This is a movie that I could show to adults, to children, you name it. It it is. I don't. There's no. The only disconnect is, would be the Shintoism, but even then, you can gain enough from the context in it to 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 enjoy this film and not have it hold you up too much. And it, it's just, I love it so good. Like as you love Totoro, I love this movie. Do you have a system to go with it? Yes, actually. So it's ten out of ten. Ten out of ten piles of gold nuggets. Ah, uh, I assume uh, you know, Jen does not. Yeah, because you know, no, when No Face was like, uh, yeah, uh. no, no, no. I assume Jen does not have a rating system. Oh no, no, no. Okay. Uh, so I also give this a ten out of ten, and I give it a ten out of ten soot sprites, and I am jumping the gun so that nobody takes my rating system. Uh, <laughs> I will say though, by the way, because I have only given one other movie so far a ten, it does not beat My Neighbor Totoro because. Totoro, while this has an ending and that that does would give it more of a bump uh totoro is just my favorite no logic just my favorite but i love this and i i have just rated it one point higher than kiki wow yeah i know right okay so it is sublime all right let's go here um i'm going to give this a nine out of ten Nine out of ten stink spirits. Yes. <laughs> or nine out of ten bicycles removed from stink spirits. Because, and I'm looking at my ratings that I've given previous movies, and I'm giving this more than Porco Rosso, which I absolutely love. And as a plain geek, I have to love that movie. So why am I giving 
and they I put them on the same plane for the same the same plane. Huh? <laughs> I put them on the same level for the same reason. All of the Miyazaki stuff, all the Ghibli stuff is there. It is brilliant animation. It is a beautiful story. It has deep lessons. It has that ecological message. It has characters I give a darn about. It has beautiful voice acting that is, you know, acting first, voices second. It's not silly voices thrown in. And it actually has an ending. It's the first Miyazaki movie I've watched that didn't just stop. And then have an epilogue afterwards. The movie actually ends. And where I'm going to ding it points is in that stylization I talked about before. Uh, I get the point that I'm looking at things from the perspective of a little girl. But I find that some of the characters were still a little too weird for me. And I'm trying to imagine what eight or nine year old little techie would have been like watching this movie. He would have been horrified by the witches. He would have been freaked out by the witches. And he wouldn't have liked this movie very much because... Uh, no face is weird and all, all this other people. stuff. Hmm? He ate people. No face ate people whole. Right. And he ate people whole. And then when he opened his mouth, you could see them inside his tummy. That's weird. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ding it for the stylization for one point because it, it was still, I get what he was going for, that it was from the perspective of a little girl, but even it, it was a little, a little too much towards the abstract, mm. but the, the surreal. But other than that, um, perfect. Yeah. And uh, this is the only film you've given a nine. And the only one that ha- is higher than this is Totoro. And for Jason, you uh, you gave Totoro a 10 and you gave Spirited Away a 10. But you say that Spirited Away is is your favorite. Absolutely. I mean, I can't deny the greatness of Totoro or the cat bus. But it's it like if I like I know for a fact if I show Totoro to older people it it could have a disconnect because it's definitely geared towards more children whereas i feel like spirited away bridges a gap between all of those mm. and but but again like when it comes down to it, like i i can't i'm not i'm not gonna ding totoro but it's just that spirited away is my favorite like it's just my favorite yeah well like i said i mean i can't give you a logical reason i just can tell you which is my favorite uh so altogether we have rated that a 9.5 out of 10 uh which is pretty darn good and hopefully uh anyone that was thinking well i gotta stop listening to these people that hate ghibli uh that might uh, make you go oh wait wait no they do love it uh and uh, just a refresher uh, 10 is sublime 9 is penultimate 8 is dazzling 7 is exceptional 6 is solid 5 is average 4 is mediocre 3 is boring 2 is tedious 1 is dreadful and 0 is horrifying and yeah so I mean really nothing's bad until we give it a 4 uh, but uh, yeah this is not a 7 to 9 scale this yeah. is a true 1 to 10 scale yeah. we um, use the whole scale don't walk out of me in reviews anymore and uh, you know the imaginary hate mail that I imagine <laughs> I still get you can stop imaginarily sending it um, I gave you're that not mo- lucky enough to get that feedback I gave that movie a 3 out of 10 because it was worth 3 points because it was boring I'm sorry you loved it so much remember that on this scale what I am aiming for if I have done my job as a reviewer correctly that average is five yeah so my ratings should average out 
to about a five. Yeah, every every movie kind of starts at a five, and then there's pluses and, and minuses. minuses. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm aiming for. Now I know that above and beyond all, like these movies are not average movies. These are, no. you know, this is one of the best studios out there making animated movies. The best. So these are better than average. Yeah. So maybe six. And and if if we were rating them against each other, had we seen them all and we were rating them against each other, we might be even lower. So yeah, I'm not like a, yeah. I'm not like a review website. I'm yeah. not being paid for this review in any way. We have received no considerations from anyone at any time to do this. So, Although Hayao Miyazaki, we would totally oh, be I your shell. Absolutely, <laughs> I would absolutely sell out in a heartbeat. But that's not. The <laughs> but case. only to Hayao Miyazaki. That's not the case right now. I'm not that picky. Yeah. Uh, that's not not the case right now so i don't have a bottom line to protect i don't have to give everything a rating between seven and nine just to make sure my bottom line is preserved well, so, dude, it, my thing is like this um to be brutally honest we're not being very fair because like i said these movies should not be judged against other animated films like these things need to be judged against one another. Yeah, but in an intro cast, you can't. We we can't do that. Exactly. We haven't Miyazaki, seen the whole catalog. Yeah, Miyazaki has set a tone and a standard, and that standard is supremely high. So before it, we sign off, yeah. uh, what do you guys want to cosplay from this movie? Oh man, it's. Uh, I would have to say either No Face or Haku. Hmm. I'm trying to picture you as Haku. If I could cosplay as anyone from this movie, I would love to do the little frog dude. Oh, yeah. If I could could get a really good frog costume done well, because from that, if I put on a cape and a sword, I can go as frog from um, Chrono Trigger. Uh Uh-huh. Which was my favorite character in that game, and then I've got multi-use out of the costume. Nice. Yes. Absolutely. And then I could put on a pilot suit and I could go as, as uh, what's his name, Flippy from the Star Fox games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could, you, could, you could also do like I could dress as Toad and you could be Frog and we could be Frog and Toad from, from the stories. Anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, I would definitely be all over either No Face or The Witches. I would be Granny, sure. If I could figure out a way to do um, Kumaji the Boiler Man, yeah, I was gonna say I could see his Kumaji. I the think you would do if that. If there was so a way well. to do it where um, you know, because he's got six arms, it, and he walks on his arms, if you could have like vestigial legs hanging down and have your real legs acting as a back yeah, yeah. pair of arms, I think it's possible. We we know on, somebody that's done Doc Ock. Walk on all fours? No, 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 no. I'm thinking of something different. Okay, but yeah, th- there is there is a way. Now, I, I, I think I say this every time, but every time we do this, I get so excited because I cannot wait. I cannot wait until we get to certain films. Like, I can't wait till we get to The Wind Rises for tech. I cannot wait until we get to when Marnie was there. I think, ah, or Ponyo specifically for you, Nutty. I can't wait. Ah, gosh, it's so exciting. All right, but you were you were waiting for us to see this one as well. This was one of the ones yes. that we've been waiting yes. for a while. Yeah. And I, this I, is, this, I expected you guys to like this one. I knew nothing about this, but this is one of those movies that I'd always wanted to see because I had heard how good it was, and I always saw the poster. 
it, the story was nothing what I was expecting. No. It, guys, this keeps happening to me. I have this idea of what I'm walking into, and it's nothing like it. You guys got to see it in the best way. Like, you guys got yeah. to see it in the absolutely best way. Like, this movie, like, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing. We saw uh, it in a theater full of people who are fans. Like, I, I've seen, like I said, I saw this in theaters, Secret World of Orienti in theaters, and I saw The Wind Rises in theaters. We even, uh, we even saw, sitting ahead of us in the theater, a young couple using this movie for date night. Yeah. And that is cool. That is very cool. Because other people on this podcast have done that too, haven't they, Jason? Mm. Yes, I have. So, um, what's next? What is next? That one, would that be House Moving Castle? Yes, because that is the next in this Bringing It Back to Theater series. So go check it out. Uh, if you're in North America, there is a theater not far from you that is doing this, Canada and the U.S., and they're doing the English dubs and the the subs on other nights. So you can choose which one you go to see. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is in December. It is the last of them uh, that they're doing this year. So check it out if you can. And that's what we'll be coming back for uh, to bring you. So Jason, where can people find you on the internet? They can find us on our website at talknerdytomepodcast.com. They can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdytome. And, of course, they can find us on Twitter at nerdytomepodcast. And that is nerdytome with the number two. And, Tech, what would you like to plug? I'm going to plug all my normal noise. Uh, find me and everything I do at nimlast.org or upside down and flying.ca when I actually start posting stuff and figure out my audio issues and figure out how to actually rip the audio from my phone to my computer because the connector doesn't work anymore and my computer doesn't register my phone. <gasps> but as soon as I figure out how to do all of that, you can figure out all of my uh, bad adventures as I try to learn Aikido the hard way. You can find me on Twitter at flying ukemi and like I said, upside down and flying.tumblr.com. I, I want to plug uh, my newest sensei because he's pretty great and he helps me learn lots of things. So if you're in Ontario and you'd like to train with us, just drop me a line uh, and that would be Sensei Tech. Hi, I'm a sensei now. <laughs> the paperwork has come back from Japan. The certificates are going to be on my wall soon. It is now paperwork official. I can actually teach people scary, horrifying stuff. You can make green belts. I can make green belts. It's awesome. And uh, lastly, I want to make sure that we thank our patrons. And because of you patrons out there, you are uh, making it so that there are two episodes in a month. And you really pushed us to do the intro to Ghibli, which we had been talking about for way too long and then finally got around to doing. So I hope you're enjoying this. And if you are not a patron, that is okay. Please uh, share the love. Tell people what you like about Nutty Bites or just uh, talk to us and tell us what you like because that's always fun. I mean, feedback is gold to podcasters, but I really do want to thank the patrons because you are paying for the hosting. So thank you, Jason Banks, wherever you are. Uh, thank you, Jax, Beth, uh, Justine, Susan, Melissa, the Bathtub Mermaid, Susanna, Kinsey, Ian, Harold, Jen of the Talk Nerdy to Me podcast, wherever she may be. Uh, I believe she's in the bath. Uh, Patrick Scafido, uh, check him out, Thousand Heads. Uh, Shane Poole of the Red Dwarf Introcast. Rich the TT, Dagny, rap, uh, just Dagny, sorry. <clears throat> uh, Mike, and he's of the, I forget what it's called, the Redacted Files, that's it. Uh, and Ken Kennedy of Kenzoid's Autonomous Zone. And Lynette 
of the Bycast. Oh, and when I said Ian, did I say of Web of Queer and down below? Whatever. I thank all of you guys. You guys are fantastic. And often we thank Mike. Nick. Often we thank Nick. Sorry. I was thinking of somebody else. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Yeah, and usually Nick. Usually Nick. That's it. Usually (laughs) Nick. Well, it used to be sometimes Nick, and it's now changed because he kind of paid for the year. in one lump sum so thank you nick uh thank you everyone for helping us out and we hope to bring you more awesome goodies bye see ya shane i've done it again paul then open the window there's no need to announce it no not that i've invented a machine that can erase our memory of red dwarf so we can watch it for the first time again really is it safe completely Although you might also forget how to read, write, and do math. I'm a politician, I don't need any of that. Also, it would probably make your head explode. And ruin my hair? No. Let's just find a lovely American couple who have barely even heard of Red Dwarf to watch the show with us. That will be the next best thing to seeing it for the first time. Hi, I'm Angela. This is my husband, Heath. What are you doing in my house? Well, we're just your everyday American couple wandering about looking for someone who feels like watching a show we've barely even heard of with us. Maybe recording a podcast about it. Hmm, that's really convenient. And you can listen in on the fun with the Red Dwarf intro cast. Check us out on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash Nukejoss, or call 347-Nutty42.